1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to be reading the first 12 verses, and our focus this morning is just going to be on verses 11 and 12 of this chapter. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, I began last week's sermon by saying we are at the end of summertime, and as evidence of that, tomorrow is Labor Day, often the unofficial end of summer, a day that we think about our work and our labor. I do think it's somewhat ironic that we celebrate Labor Day by taking a day off of work. And by the way, when we set all the holidays on Monday, no one consulted the ministers. That's our day off anyway. But tomorrow is Labor Day, a day for us in the midst of whatever activities we might do to reflect a bit upon the blessing of work and the blessing of the ability to use our gifts, our talents, whatever they might be, uh, in service to God. We remember that everything in our life flows from our relationship with the Lord. That includes our work. It includes how we work. Paul addresses this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that their life reflects their relationship to God. And in chapter 4, in verses 3 through 8, he speaks about their physical relationships, how they should reflect the relationship to God. In verses 9 and 10, he talks about brotherly love as a reflection of their relationship to God. And then in verse 11 and 12, he says this, 
Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. How they should view their work and what was instructive for them is also instructive for us. How do we work in a way that is pleasing to God? Paul gives, in verse 11, really three very basic instructions. The first instruction, aspire to live quietly. Aspire to live quietly. And Paul is giving us a kind of an interesting turn of a phrase. Uh, aspiration is to, to put ourselves out there. And to live quietly almost seems like the opposite, to be passive. Uh, one translation translates this verse this way. It should be your ambition to be unambitious. That's, that, 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 that's the flavor of what Paul is getting at here. Now, he's not talking about laziness. What he is talking about is how, how in our lives it is so easy for us to be too busy, to do too much, and in that to lose sight of those things that are truly important in life. We allow the tyranny of the urgent to push aside that which is truly important. Don't, don't get so busy, too busy, that we miss the important things of life. Aspire to live quietly. Don't be so busy that we neglect our responsibilities. That, that we neglect our responsibilities to our spouse. That we neglect our responsibilities to our children. Don't be so busy in so many things that we, that we neglect our responsibility to our relationship to God, to our times of personal devotion, to our times of corporate worship. We can become so busy in our lives that the urgent things push aside the important things the relationships God has put us in with our families, the relationship we have with God, that, that, that time with Him be viewed as valuable, be viewed as important. And when we're so busy, it's so easy just to push those things to the side. Aspire, he says, aspire to live quietly. To what do we direct our energy? I want to be fairly uh, 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 strong in application this morning. Men, men, I speak to you that if you are a husband, then that is your first calling. Your first calling is to be a husband, not to be a CEO. Your work will try to take your time away from the bride God has given to you. Don't push aside that which is important 
because of what seems urgent. Women, if, if you are married, your calling is to be a wife. That is your first calling. You are not called, first of all, to run the local moms and kids group, as wonderful as that might be. Your call is to be attentive to your husband. Parents, if the Lord has given you children, your first calling, as we were reminded in the baptism form this morning, your first calling is to do all you can to raise these children in the fear of the Lord and not to allow your work and not to allow your recreation to get in the way of that. We need to keep our priorities straight. What do, we, what do we spend ourselves on in our life? Paul says, aspire. Aspire to live quietly. That's the first basic instruction he gives. The second instruction, he says, and to mind your own affairs. Again, Paul is fairly cryptic here, but what he's saying is, mind your own affairs not someone else's. It is so easy for us to be busy that we become busy bodies in everyone else's business. Got to know what everybody else is doing. What's happening there? What's happening there? Now, to be sure, as a people of God, we are to be concerned about each other, and we are to pray for each other, but we are not to meddle in someone else's business. He says, mind your own affairs. Be concerned about others, to be sure. But, 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 but ask yourself, how can I please God in my life? Mind your own affairs. What can I do to show God my love and my devotion for Him? Not, oh, look what someone else is doing, or not doing. His second instruction, after he says that we are to aspire to live quietly, he says, mind your own affairs. And then thirdly, he says, and work with your hands. Manual labor. Now, I don't believe that Paul is saying here that uh, those who um, are not doing manual labor those who are working in an office, those who are professionals are somehow being disobedient to God. Remember the context in which Paul is writing. He is writing in the context of, of a Greek mindset. And for the Greeks, it was the academicians, it was the philosophers, it was the theologians. These were the ones doing the real work. Think about what Paul says back in uh, Acts chapter 17. When Paul speaks to the Areopagus, we read this. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. And that was real work. That was the real effort that was being expended. The academicians, the philosophers, the theologians. Manual labor was seen as something less. 
something lesser than these pursuits. I can't help but think somewhat cynically how the tables have turned today. It is those who do manual labor who do real work, and it's the philosophers, the theologians, who have a position, not a job. No, Paul says, all work, all work when done for God's glory is meaningful. That, that's the heart of what he's trying to say here. All work when done for God's glory is meaningful. Whether that be manual labor, whether that be in an office, whether that be in a profession, wherever God has called you, use your gifts and talents to glorify Him. Some of you are familiar with the uh, quote from Abraham Kuyper regarding every square inch belonging under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I heard a wonderful commencement message a number of years ago given by Dr. Dr. Hoekstra at Dort University who encouraged the students to do this. He said, pick an inch. Pick an inch where you will be meaningful in your work for God. That same truth applies for us. God has placed us in different places, different inches in the creation, and yet all our work is to be done for His glory. Why is it we pursue this type of life? Why is it that we uh, aspire to live quietly, that we mind our own affairs, that we work with our hands? Well, Paul, Paul says it's because of our relationship to God. That's how he begins, verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, that is in light of everything that's happened before. What, is, what has happened before is Paul has reminded them about their relationship to God. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, do so more and more. Because of who God is, because of your relationship with Him, you are to live in a particular way. That includes your work. Our relationship to God is not completed when we come to church on Sunday. Our relationship to God is not completed when we spend time in devotion at home. But every part of our life is because of our relationship to God. That relationship directs who we are. Our theology undergirds our ethics. It directs our living. Because God is a God. God is a God who's a worker. Think back at the very beginning of the Bible, kids. What's the first story we read? The story of creation. That's a story of God working. God is a worker, and as God uh, completes that work of creation, we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves along the ground. God gave them work to do. 
God was a worker, man is created in God's image, and God gives them work. Have dominion, rule over them, fill the earth, subdue it. We sometimes refer to this as the cultural mandate, a task God gave to mankind. And while it is a mandate, don't miss this, God blessed them and said, do these things. To work is a blessing from God. Work is a blessing from God. It is not part of the curse. Now, to be sure, When Adam and Eve fell into sin and the curse came, it affected their work. We read in Genesis chapter 3, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground from out of which you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Yes, their work became more difficult because of the fall. But work itself is not a fallen condition. Work itself is a blessing from God. In the book of Ecclesiastes, that is uh, spelled out for us again and again. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, we read this, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also is from the hand of God. From Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I perceive there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. And the chapter concludes, So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Work is a blessing. A blessing we received from God. God is a God who works. He worked in creation. God continues to work today. He continues his work of providence, upholding all that he has made by his powerful hand, but he also continues his work in in recreating fallen man into his image. Jesus says in John 5, my father works even today. God continues the work of taking each and every one of his chosen and bringing them to faith and having them recognize Jesus Christ, and bringing them into fellowship with Him, the work of God. As Dr. Squeer said this morning, it's not that we were seeking God. He came to us and made promises to us. God continues to work, and how thankful we are for that. He continues to work here this morning. He calls you. If you are not a believer, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, He calls you to trust in Christ alone for salvation. He calls you to put your faith in Him and to know the blessing of belonging to God, a blessing that doesn't only affect our church life, it affects all of our life. It affects our work. 
Paul gives these instructions to the church and two times in this chapter says, I want you to do these things more and more. I know you're doing them, he says. I want you to do them more and more. It's a reminder to them of how they are to live, how they are to work. Because it's easy for us to forget. Especially when our work becomes difficult. Especially when our work becomes drudgery and we simply feel perhaps even locked into a task we don't enjoy doing work is a blessing from god it is a gift from him and so paul says because it is that blessing because we are imaging god aspire to live quietly mind your own affairs work with your hands as we instructed you and then what happens when we do that what are the results so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. He talks about two results. Walk properly before outsiders. He means, he means to have the respect of those with whom you work. To be a person of good reputation. To walk properly before them. If you are working in a situation where you work with um, many unbelievers, and I have worked in situations like that, when you are working with many unbelievers, and if they know that you are a Christian, they know you are a child of God, you will be to them a picture of Christ. What you do they will ascribe to your Lord. You'll be a reflection of what they think of Him in the way that you act. And, and you can have the most eloquent testimony to give, but if your life doesn't match that, they will not want to listen. If you are one who is always late for work, you will not have a good reputation with your co-workers. If you are one who is sloppy at your job, you won't have a good reputation with your co-workers. If you are one who is known as trying to do as little as possible and get by. No, he says, the result of this type of living, this type of work, is that you walk properly before outsiders. They will, they will respect you. And they will respect your God. And God may use that to give you the opportunity to speak to them about why you work the way you work. Do these things that you may walk properly before outsiders and, he says, and that you be dependent on no one. In uh, the time that this is being written, there were those in Thessalonica who were very concerned about the second coming of the Lord, that it was going to come very, very, very quickly. And they were so concerned about being ready that they quit their jobs and just waited for God to come back. They quit their jobs and they relied on others to take care of them. That's what Paul's addressing. He says, when you work this way, do not be dependent on others. Now, there are times in our life where we 
need to be dependent on others, perhaps for financial reasons. We need from help from others. That's okay. But it's not our goal to be dependent. Our goal is to care for ourselves, not being dependent on others. And Paul says, work this way. Work this way and not be dependent. This is incredibly relevant for us today. We live in a society that is characterized by entitlement. The things you are entitled to. Without you working, the government should take care of you. You deserve all these things. Paul says, no. That's not not our witness as Christians. We work for the Lord, and we work that we might not be dependent on others. It should not be our goal to be taken care of by some other entity, by someone else. And elsewhere, Paul will say, when you do this, when you care for yourself, you will have something to share with others in need. That should be our goal, to share with others. This is is the call to, to faithful living, to being faithful in our work life before God. Tomorrow is Labor Day, a day off. Enjoy it. But on Tuesday... Many of us will return back to work. How will you return? Grudgingly? Stuck at this job? Doing as little as possible? Showing up on time or not? Or or receiving this work as it is? A gift from God. And and trying to to work in such a way that we would have a faithful witness to our God who is a worker. That we would be those who, who aspire to live quietly, who mind our own affairs, who work with our hands so that we can walk properly before outsiders not being dependent that we might live in a way that brings glory to God and work in a way that recognizes he is the one who's given us the gift and with the gift of work we seek to honor him let's join together in prayer Lord our God we are thankful to you that your call to holy living is exactly that, living in every part of our life. Oh, we thank you, O God, for the times we spend with you in worship. We thank you, O God, for the times we spend with you in our devotions. We thank you for times in our families. But we also know, O God, the time we spend at work belongs to you also. Help us to work in a way that is pleasing to you, to work in a way that brings glory to you, and to work in a way that will allow us to be recognized by our coworkers as those who are walking properly, that we might have the opportunity to share the glory of Jesus Christ with them. Help us, O God, in our work to work as unto you. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake, amen.